vision, don't we? And as we look at the scripture this morning, you noticed in the bulletin, the title is, Let Our Praise for the Lord Be Loud. <laughs> Let Our Praise for the Lord Be Loud. It comes from the scripture, and as we read the scripture this morning, you'll see where that is stated in the, in the passage that we read. And we are reading in chapter 19 of Luke, and we're going to begin at verse 29. So stand with me if you're able, and we'll look at the word. And it came to pass, when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way, and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Lord, this is your word. This is your time. We're here as we have been commanded in the scriptures to assemble together. And so we come, dear Lord, with the intention of obeying you, of honoring you, of reading back over past history that happened in the life of Christ and looking at why it happened and what it meant. So I pray that you'd help us this morning, dear Lord, to understand. I pray, dear Lord, that we would receive from the Holy Spirit this morning. Help us, dear Lord, to always remember that the reason Jesus came was to bring sinners into the grace of God, Lord, to forgive sins, to set us on a new path, to help us to have the hope of heaven. I pray, dear Lord, that you'll continue to be with us in this service this morning. Thank you for every part of it. In Jesus' name, we pray, amen. You may be seated. Of course, at the end of service, we're going to have communion this morning. And 
we'll do it again with the containers that uh, are self-sealed and have the wafer on top and so forth. And so I know you've read that in your bulletin, you know that's ahead. Uh, so uh, it's a very sacred service as we come into the beginning of Passion Week, see the events that took place in the life of Jesus, realize that uh, when we partake of communion, uh, we are following what Jesus commanded us to do. And that was, as oft as we do this, drink of this cup, eat of this bread, we're remembering the body of our Lord and thinking about the blood that he shed for us. And of course, as believers, as people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, we honor that and we are so glad to know that uh, Jesus was not just uh, an upstart that decided to do some things and he, in, he initiated things that were unknown and unheard of uh, because he was doing what the scripture said he was going to do. And so he was following on the, on the Old Testament scriptures that had been given. And so as we read this scripture this morning, we will attach some of these things that went on to what it said in the Old Testament. Many of you are familiar with those things. Uh, you might be interested to know that uh, in this case of the triumphal entry, as we call it, uh, when Jesus came riding in and allowed the people to acclaim him as being the king, that uh, as we look at this, it is in all four of the Gospels. Many things are only found in three of the Gospels, and John goes in a different direction. Uh, he focuses more on the last part of Jesus' life and what happened. But here, uh, all, the, all the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all carry the account of Jesus' triumphal entry. Uh, so uh, different places, of course, in the different books, but... Uh, if you need a reference on that, I can give it to you after service uh, where you would find those. So as we read the accounts, uh, we realize that uh, as Jesus came, the scripture said that uh, he was going to come, the Messiah was going to come in a specific way and present himself to the people. Now, as we look at the actual episode that took place, Jesus had come from Jericho, and if you read back in uh, the chapter 19, the chapter 18, uh, you find where there were uh, different accounts that were taking place, and especially thinking of uh, 19, where Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Uh, and that's where he had the encounter with Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? Uh, some people call him Zacchaeus today. But uh, he's, he's that guy that climbed up in the sycamore tree so he could see Jesus. 
But when you think about when you think about Jericho, <coughs> you think of a place that is way down the hill, <laughs> way down the hill from Jerusalem. Jericho was very low as far as sea level is concerned. Uh, the Dead Sea is the lowest place on earth. Uh, Jericho, not too far from that. And so as Jesus left Jericho, uh, the people had seen things that Jesus did. They were, uh, they were so uh, impressed with the, with the miracles that he did, with the things that he accomplished. Uh, Zacchaeus was only one of them that wanted to see Jesus and, of course, uh, receive Jesus as his Lord. But uh, there was a blind man that was sitting there begging. In fact, the Bible says uh, that there were two of them. And uh, they were they were. They heard that Jesus was coming by and they started raising their voices and, and trying to get his attention. And he opened their blind eyes. Uh, we know that this multitude was only about 15 miles away from Bethany. Now when I start the reading today, I read about Bethphage and Bethany. So they were only 15 miles away. And you know what happened at Bethany. There was a man named Lazarus who had gotten ill and died from the illness. <clears throat> and Jesus had come. It appeared that Jesus got there too late because he couldn't heal Lazarus. Lazarus had already died. But Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, didn't he? Uh, when Mary and Martha, the sisters, thought all hope was gone. Uh, Lazarus, our brother, is dead. Uh, Jesus can't do anything. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. In other words, they said, well, we believe he's going to be raised in the last day because Lazarus was a godly man because they knew their brother was a faithful follower of Jesus. Uh, so they knew he was going to be raised at the last day, but Jesus says, I can do it whenever I want because I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. Jesus had that power to do that. And so at the objection of, of the sisters, uh, Martha, I believe it was, said, you don't want to take the stone away from that tomb. Jesus, you don't want to take the stone away from that tomb. And you know why she said that. She said he's been in there for four days already. And by this time, there's a strong stench that's coming from that cave, from that burial tomb. So you don't want to take it away. Jesus said, move it. Take the stone away. And he called to Lazarus after he prayed and said to God, I know that you hear me, but I'm saying this so those who are here will know that you always hear me. And then he cried, Lazarus, come forth. And 
the dead man came out of the cave-like or the tomb and he was all wound up, wasn't he? The way they had wrapped the bodies in those days, he was all wrapped up in claws and uh, so he was like a mummy coming out, uh, finding it hard to move. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And so they took the wraps off of Lazarus and he was restored to the sisters. This was only 15 miles away from Jericho. And so <clears throat> the people knew that all these things had gone on. And they wanted to see this Jesus. They, they wanted to be around this Jesus. Wouldn't you want to be around him? Uh, for whatever, whatever you might have had in your life to know that Jesus could take care of it. <coughs> and so the scripture says that there was a great multitude that was following Jesus. Now Jesus is climbing the hill, going up to Jerusalem. They call it being lifted up to Jerusalem. Uh, the, the incline uh, was 33 hundred feet that they were elevated to climb. So it, it was a steep hill that they were climbing going up the Jericho Road. Now when I was in Israel, I didn't have any trouble climbing that hill. <coughs> Excuse my throat. I, my cough drop's not helping. My water's not helping a whole lot. But, um, so uh, yeah, when I was there, I didn't have any trouble going up that hill because that bus I was on just went right up that hill. <laughs> But it is, a, it is a steep grade. And so Jesus was going up, and he was, going, he was heading toward Jerusalem, but he stops at Bethphage. Bethany was a couple miles outside of Jerusalem, and Bethphage was in that vicinity. And so uh, he sends the disciples to get a donkey for him to ride into Jerusalem. And the whole idea is that Jesus was fulfilling Scripture because the Bible says in Zacharias chapter 9 and verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, upon a colt, the foal of an ass. And so Jesus was fulfilling what the scripture said about him. And so as Jesus came in, there was a change in what he did this time from what he had done in times previous. Because uh, it happened back in the book of the, the Gospel of John, in chapter 12 and not, not, or chapter 6 rather in verse 15 there were people then that wanted to make Jesus the king you remember what he had done he had fed them he had multiplied the loaves and the fishes and they thought this is the guy we want he's the answer to our physical needs 
He can multiply the food. We'll never have to worry about being hungry. And so they were ready to take him and make him a king. Jesus slipped away from them. He wouldn't allow them to do it because he did not want to be a king to meet their physical needs only. He wanted to be a king to meet their spiritual needs. And he could not be the king to meet their spiritual needs until he went to the cross. And so just to take him and make him a king for selfish motivation would not have suited the purposes of God. And so the scripture says that he, he got away from them. And that's in, like I said, that's in John chapter 6 and verse 15. And so the scripture says uh, that at this time now he's coming, he's fulfilling scripture, and he knows the scripture says that it calls him the king. Your king is coming to you. He's going to be riding on a donkey. And so he's not riding, he's not riding on a war horse or, or he's not coming as a conqueror. He's coming, what does the scripture say? He's coming lowly. And that's how Jesus comes to us, isn't it, folks? He comes meek and lowly. He doesn't force his way into our lives. You know, if you have problems in your lives, Jesus doesn't come and barge the door down and say, I'm here and I'm taking charge. But he's there for us and he gently comes to us and he says, come unto me and I'll give you rest. He gives us the offer, but he does not force himself upon us. And so the scripture says that he came in that fashion. Now the scripture also says that even his disciples did not understand what he was doing. And that's in John chapter 12 and verse 16. They didn't understand until after the resurrection. Uh, they, they couldn't put it all together. Why is, why is he doing this now? Why is he riding in the way he's riding in to Jerusalem when he wouldn't be the king before? And now he's coming as the king. But they understood it after he gave his life on the cross, after he died, after he was resurrected. They understood it then. And so, as he comes, the people are all enthused. Uh, they're, they're revved up. Uh, they're excited. Because here's this Jesus that has raised the dead. He's healed the blind. Uh, others of their loved ones had been touched. And here he comes. And he's right here in Bethany, in the area where Lazarus was, was raised. And so they're rejoicing, they're happy, they're joyful. And so as he comes, the scripture says that he, they shout. Do you see that there in verse 37? It says that when, when he began to come down on the other side, now he's climbed up, coming from Jericho, he's climbed up, now he's on the top of the Mount of Olives, now he's going to descend. And when you're on top of the Mount of Olives, you can look across, you can see Jerusalem, you can see the Eastern Gate, called the Beautiful Gate, you can look down, you can see Gethsemane, the olive grove where Jesus prayed, you can see the Kidron Valley, uh, where 
the, the water flowed outside of the city of Jerusalem. And so Jesus is coming down now. He's coming down toward Jerusalem from being on top of the Mount of Olives. And it was called the Mount of Olives because before it was decimated by Roman soldiers, it was covered with olive trees. And so he's coming down. He's coming down toward the city. And they begin here in verse 37. Now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples, this isn't just the immediate disciples that Jesus had chosen, but all that were following him and believed in him, began to rejoice and praise God. It was going to be a new day, folks. It was going to be a new day. And with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. So you see that where I got my, where I got my text verse. With a loud voice, they began to praise God. Now, it's not in the book of Luke, but it is in the scripture. And so as they began to praise God, they were shouting. Do you remember what they were shouting? Do you remember the name they were shouting? Do you remember what they said? Hosanna. Say it with me. Hosanna. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Uh, when you read verse 37, it's like you're tuning in again to the, what the angel said when he was born, isn't it? Uh, because it says here in 37, uh, uh, actually, uh, when he came to this and they were shouting with a loud voice, uh, and they say, Blessed is the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. And that's actually verse 38 uh, it says, peace in heaven, glory in the highest. Sounds like, sounds like the angels, doesn't it? When they were rejoicing in the birth of the Savior. So it's peace and glory. And so they're shouting, Hosanna. Shout it with me. Hosanna. Hosanna. <clears throat> but they were misdirected, weren't they? They thought he was coming as an earthly king. They thought he was going to drive out the Romans. They didn't understand that he was coming meek and lowly, and he was coming not just for physical benefit, but for spiritual benefit. And so, as they shout, the scripture is clear that in Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26, they are saying, save now. And that, in transliteration, is used in the other Gospels, and that means Hosanna. Save now means Hosanna. I beseech thee, O Lord, O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And so this is the scripture they were using. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. But you see, they added a word, but it wasn't out of place because it was in Zechariah where he's called the king. They say, blessed is the king. Blessed is the king. And so uh, in verse 38, they call him the king. He is the king that's coming. It's not just anybody. This is royalty. This is royalty. This is the king. 
that's coming in the name of the Lord. And so they're rejoicing in the fact that the king has come and they're looking for great things. But the Pharisees were not happy, were they? <laughs> Quiet them down, shut them up. <clears throat> and there's many Pharisees today throughout the world that say to the Christians, be quiet, be quiet. You, ha you have no reason to rejoice. You have no reason to be happy because all you're believing in has not taken place. Jesus was crucified. Jesus gave his life, and so your hope is vain. But we say that is not true. We say we're looking for the best yet to come. He's still our king. Hosanna, save now. And we sang the song, and it said that before we reach those streets of gold, before we eat from the, street, from the fruit of heaven, the, the hill of Zion yields a thousand different fruits. As we travel toward heaven, folks, we can enjoy the sweetness and the goodness of walking with Jesus and know his presence in our lives in this very time. We don't have to wait for something future. And so the scripture says that they, they, they were rejoicing, but their rejoicing soon came to an end when he was crucified. And remember the, remember the two that walked on the Emmaus Road, all downcast. We thought he was the one. We thought he was the, he, God had sent him, but he's dead. But it was Jesus walking with them, wasn't it? And he said, he said, let me show you what the scriptures have to say. So everything he did was in accordance with what the scriptures said in the Old Testament. He fulfilled them, and the scripture is still going to be fulfilled about him in our time, folks. He is still here, and he is coming again, and we are going to be able to sing Hosanna, and, and the songwriter said in the New Jerusalem, when we go in, we'll wave palms with loud Hosannas as the king will take his throne. It's our beloved Jesus. He is still working the work that the scripture said he was going to perform. And so, yes, they had reason to praise him. But folks, we have more reason today to praise him than they had to praise him in their day. Because he has done more for us. Every one of us that have come and asked him, for his saving grace, have received his full and free salvation. And we know that putting our faith in him has made a difference in our lives. So he has redeemed us. He saved us from our sins. And everybody needs to do that, folks. Preacher and people, we all need to ask forgiveness for our sins. And we need to follow Jesus. We need to be obedient to him. And then we have more reason to praise him because he said, I'm going away, but I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. 
So friends, we have a closeness that they didn't get to enjoy in that day when Jesus was physically here because he could only be in one place at a time. But in our day, we have the Holy Spirit with us all the time. And that is the Spirit of Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that is with us to encourage us. And we know that the Lord is at hand is what the scripture says. And you know what it means when it says that? The Lord is at hand. Um, You know in your house when you want something and... And, and you keep going out of your way to get it, and then you say, well, you know, I'm going to move that. <laughs> I'm going to move that so I'm not, I'm not going in the next room or wherever. This is where I need this. So you put it there. <clears throat> it's there where you can get a hold of it. <clears throat> and that's what that scripture means. It means the Lord is handy. The Lord is at hand. He is there where we can just reach out and touch him. The Lord is at hand. He's there for us. That was something they couldn't have when Jesus was physically here. He said to his disciples, you would rejoice if you understood because when I go away, the Holy Spirit's going to come and you can reach right out and touch him. Patty, when you were suffering, he was right there with you. You can reach out and touch him. Uh, When our loved ones are going through the valley of the shadow of death, he's right there, folks. You can reach out and touch him. And he promised that he would be there for us. So we have him in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And we can give ourselves to him in a way that they could not because we can commit our lives fully to him and let the Holy Spirit guide and direct us in our lives to do all that King wants us to do. And then we know that he's coming again, isn't he? It's not over. It's not over. There's going to be a great disappearance one of these days of people who know Jesus Christ. Remember when uh, Hale Bop was flying around and going over? I got some pictures of Hale Bop that um, meteor that was coming close to earth. And I went out here. I thought maybe they'd arrest me for trespassing. <clears throat> Who's this nut out, out in the dark? Uh, but I went, out, I went over on Lunda Road to get away from all the lights around my area, the farm lights and so forth. And, <clears throat> and I set my tripod up and and I got it focused and when Hale Bop was coming over. And, and so I took some slow pictures of Hale Bop and uh, still got that on my stand. I enjoy looking at that. You know, there were some foolish people that thought that's how Christians were leaving this earth. They thought they were going to get on a, on a meteorite that it was time to go. Uh, folks, we don't have to do anything like that. When Jesus is ready for us, the Bible says, the Lord himself. He's not going to send hail, Bob. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ are going first because they got six feet further to go, somebody said. But 
the rest of us are going to join with them. And there's going to be a great meeting in the air. That's one of our songs. There's going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. Well, yes, that's a good time to do that, Mary. There's going to be, and we're going to see our loved ones again. I was just looking. My daddy died in 1970, <clears throat> in June of 1970. He was a young man, 59, as I recall, a young man when he was taken. But he went out in victory, folks. He knew Jesus is he Savior? Jesus is still his Savior today. He is with the Lord, even though his body was eaten up with cancer and he was just a mere shadow of the person he had been. He had been a 240-pound 200, man. He went down to probably 80 pounds. Uh, just terrible to look at, to think of what he had been. But folks, he's going to get a new body. God's going, to, God's going to rejuvenate. God's going to redo. God's going to remake. And praise the Lord, we're marching to Zion, aren't we? We're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion. And we're going to say our praises to the Lord on the way. We're not going to shut up. We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to Hosanna. And we're going to keep on moving, and we're going to keep on praising the Lord. Well, that was what I felt like I wanted to give to you today. And yes.